0: Hey there, do you love pet content and want more of it? If so, please hit the subscribe button. Your support helps keep this content free and lets me know you're enjoying the show. So please hit that subscribe button and maybe even give us a review while you're at it. Thank you. The impact our pets have on us is often indescribable. There is just something they bring into our lives that you can't put into words. For Fedra Barrett, that's not exactly the case. She can pinpoint exactly what her cat Balam has done for her, and it's pretty major.
1: My own cat Balam has helped me discover my own path in life.
0: Fedra is the founder and president of the Balam Foundation, and Balam is a popular cat who has amassed a huge following on social media under the handle Balam But his impact goes beyond just likes and comments on Instagram. Fedra has used his platform for so much more.
1: Had I not had Balaam and the fame that he's brought to himself, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. It's because of this incredible, extraordinary cat who lives under my roof, who came into my life suddenly and kind of magically. And now all I do is rescue because of him.
0: Balaam himself was rescued by Fedra, but his story wasn't the bright and happy kind we see so often in our feeds.
1: I basically lost the love of my life cat, and he was an Oriental too, and his name was Mescal. He and I were just so deeply in love, and he died tragically and suddenly. I was in such shock, and I kept feeling like, okay, I really must rescue. I'm a rescuer. I really must rescue.
0: When Fedra saw a picture of Balam, the connection was instant. Without hesitation, Fedra brought home Balam and his brother too, but all was not well with these cats.
1: When they came, they were so sick. Him and his brother, Tasca. I didn't even think Balam would make it. They were so unbelievably sick. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be.
0: After many weeks of treatment for various illnesses, both the cats made it through and Fedra emerged inspired to do all she could to help animals like hers. And it turned out that there were quite a few who needed Fedra. The Balam Foundation is based in Mexico, where there are both humanitarian and animal welfare crises that, from the outside looking in, can seem crippling. But all hope is not lost. Fedra, a rescuer at heart, remember, is determined to do all she can to help the animals in need and get the word out about what all of us can do as well. Coming up after the break, Fedra tells us about what's happening in Mexico and how we can help animals in need, plus what we can do in our own backyards to help cats live healthier lives. Stay tuned. While training my puppy Teddy, I've been using a few kinds of treats. By far, his favorites are Blue Sizzlers. These bacon-style treats are made with real USA pork as the first ingredient. And wow, does Teddy love them. And I do too, because they're easy to tear into small pieces for training. If you're looking to up your treat game, get Blue Sizzlers wherever you buy pet treats. And don't forget to download the Buddies app to earn points on your purchases. I want to kind of maybe back up a bit. To the heart of this interview and get into what is the Balam Foundation and what is it that you do and how are you helping?
1: So, I live in Mexico. It's a developing country. Mm -hmm. So, wherever people are suffering, animals are suffering tenfold. Right. And so, there's a huge crisis here with overpopulation, animal overpopulation. I started the Balam Foundation principally to hold sterilization campaigns free for people who have animals in impoverished communities. So we started by going out, you know, once a week to outlying small towns mm-hmm. in our city. And um, I had a team of three vets and we would just start sterilizing. And so that's grown and grown. And recently we had a, a weekend campaign for For cats we did in one weekend we sterilized 237 cats. Wow. With the vets working from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. Wow. Straight. Yeah. (laughs) I mean it's it's really intense. It's really really uh, very very difficult work but we're making a difference. Um, Mm -hmm. So we started uh, to do that and then I had a very shabby looking rescue who became famous in her own right who wasn't mm-hmm. with us for very long but she was FeLV positive and she was at death's door when i found her her name is Twiggy and um she became quite the celebrity um and she basically i fostered her till she died she was only with us for 6 months but i'm sure it was the best 6 months of her life yeah definitely and um she basically opened the pathway to the Foster to Adopt program that I have now. And so we have cats coming in all the time. Yeah. And I have a very small program, but I have about 20 animals at a time that I foster and we find homes for. Uniquely, we send all our fosters mostly to the United States.
0: Because in Mexico, there's just not the...
1: Ability, it's find, right? Yeah. It's, it's harder to find homes. You know, everything is so saturated here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's saturated everywhere, but it's really saturated here. <laughs> yeah. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my followers are mostly based in the States. So people see the videos, people connect with an animal mm-hmm. and these animals go to live their best forever lives all over the United States. We even have some in Canada. Wow. But I want to know,
0: a little bit more, just for the audience listening, why is it such a crisis in mexico? and and what can people be doing? what What should they know? How can they help? Like, what are the things that people don't know about this crisis?
1: First of all, is the the stumbling blocks we have with the lack of education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: people there's all I mean, education is everything. In fact, that's a program that we're starting up at the Bland Foundation, uh, a program to go into schools and educate children about the importance of spaying and neutering, mm-hmm. because it's a very, very macho culture. And so they don't have people here don't think they should sterilize males.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a little bit backward thinking for sure.
1: So absurd, but um, often we'll find that we go out to this campaigns. like mm-hmm. one of the first ones I went to If not the first one I went to, like everyone was female. And I was like, I said to my assistant, why is everybody female? She's like, yeah, they don't think the males need sterilizing. They they think it's all down to the women. We have so much work to do Mm -hmm. in that arena as well. Just educating people. And the best way to educate them is to teach the children. Right.
0: Who then carry that message home and, you know, for their whole lives. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: How are those messages received? How is this education being received both in Mexico, but also you say a lot of your followers are in America, in, you know, Canada. How is it being received all over this information, this education?
1: Well, to be honest, most people in the States already know this is an important thing to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have strays. Uh, Strays is a big problem, all over. I mean, it's not to the not to the level <laughs> of Mexico, but we'll yeah. will we we'll, we always see you know strays in my my family in fact, when we had strays uh, in my parents' yard, my par- my parents went and got them all uh, spayed and neutered. Yeah, we trapped them and got them spayed and neutered, and because we're like, we love you know kittens, are great. We but we we're yes. like we can't keep having kittens all over the place. <laughs> I know.
1: Right. So, um, I mean, things are changing here. It makes me so happy to see when we have a sterilization campaign, Mm -hmm. people will travel for miles to come Mm -hmm. and take advantage of our free veterinary services. And what really warms my heart is you can really see how much these people who don't have much themselves actually do a lot of rescue. Yeah. A lot of rescue and, and bring in the animals from the streets and um, know that it's the right thing to do to sterilize, to, to sterilize them. So things are changing, but it's slow. It's slow. It's slow. Consciousness, changes in consciousness tend to move slowly, <laughs> they evolve slowly. So that's definitely for sure. So,
0: how do you, when you have these campaigns, these, uh, these, you know, spaying and neutering campaigns, how do you get the message out? How do you, how do you choose where, where to go? Or are you just staying pretty local?
1: Well, because we're, well, let's see, we're only, we were established in 2021. So we we're we've not been around for very long, but we hold sterilization campaigns in small communities once a week. Mm -hmm. We make contact with that community weeks ahead. Yeah to start uh, getting, getting names down on a roster. And then um, for the large-scale campaigns, we do uh, we advertise on the internet, we advertise uh, on the radio, we even hang flyers up. I'm always impressed. Usually people come and they will wait hours because it's slow. Yeah. It's slow. Uh, you, know, you could expect to spend five hours waiting in
0: line. Wow. You find... Vets who just volunteer their time to do this, right? No, I pay them. Oh, really? In okay, so
1: pay them. No, this is why we need to be funded. Yeah, we have to hire
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: vets to do this work. They're veterinary to specialize in sterilization, mm-hmm. so we 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 choose them and we use we use their teams.
0: Okay, that's interesting, but also a very good thing to note because, like, these are not just people out of the goodness of their heart. Like, this is a a service that is being provided and paid for. So. I also want to hear a little bit about how people react when they bring, like people bring their pets to you. People bring strays in. How how are people reacting to this foundation, to this service when they bring their animals?
1: They are so sweet. I'm constantly moved by the sweetness and kindness of Mm -hmm. these people who, you know, some of them have like 10 dogs, and they do so because they bring them, they bring them off the street. Mm-hmm. And they live in really small spaces themselves. And people are grateful. People are really grateful for the support. I mean, another thing that the Belan Foundation does is um, sometimes we have an animal come in who's been hit by a car or who, who's in really dire straits. And the vets here at town know me. And they'll call me and say, okay, we've got, a, we've got somebody who really cares about their animal. And yeah. they cannot afford to pay for them. Can you help? And so then we'll step, we'll step in and help pay the vet bills as well.
0: It's a little counterintuitive because these people who have these pets, they care about them so much. So it's not, a, it's not an issue of like people don't care about their pets. It's more an issue of they can't afford to care for their pets, right?
1: They can't afford to care for their rescues. A lot of times these are animals they've rescued and they
0: they don't want to see them
1: starving on the street. So they bring them into their house. I mean, that's the majority of what I've seen here. Yeah. Of course, there's there's... A lot of uh, disregard for animals, in particular cats, though that's changing. But part of the reason I focus in, on cats in Mexico is because it's almost like we still have uh, vestiges of medieval, like burning witches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: like- <laughs> There's something, there's something associated with a cat. Yeah, there's,
1: there's like people associate them. People think, and I've heard people say this, that cats are the souls of the dead or that like, if you sleep with a cat, you'll go blind <laughs> or, you know. <laughs> right. Just wild ideas, like crazy ideas, crazy, crazy ideas. Um, but that's what we're dealing with. I mean, that, that, that's the lack of education. I mean, it's changing and we're seeing more and more people here in Mexico accept, Cats and, and bring them into their homes, but the chosen animal in Mexico for people is dogs, and the reason that is is because dogs act as protection mm-hmm. for their homes. Uh, I've been to homes where there—I mean, people are so poor that they don't even have doors on their; they have just a sheet for their front door, you know. And so they have dogs because dogs will protect them. And cats aren't seen as as uh, providing much use.
0: Have you heard about the true blue effect? It's pretty cool. And I've seen my dog Teddy thrive because of it. What I'm talking about are the seven benefits your dog could experience from the key ingredients in blue life protection formula. We're talking about healthy muscle development, immune system health, skin and coat health, healthy digestion, joint health, strong bones. And the one I see most of all in Teddy is vibrant energy for an active life. All of this is thanks to the quality ingredients in Blue Life Protection Formula. Try it now. I want to talk about the foundation. What are your goals? What are some of the things that you hope to achieve uh, in the short term and and the long term?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, another thing that we do that I haven't mentioned yet is that we have a dedicated TNR
0: team. Mm -hmm.
1: And they go out um, pretty much daily.
0: TNR being trapped. Neuter release,
1: Yeah, TNR, uh-huh. trap neuter, release. And they go out pretty much daily to um, see, you know, trap cats. And so that's another part of our sterilization program where mm-hmm. we're actually going out to see, uh, to trap feral colonies. Because feral colonies are, are really wonderful things and they provide us with a free, free rodent control service. <laughs> yes. Very important. Yep. Very, very important. But of course, they're not adoptable. I mean, I have a soft spot for ferals, but it's, it takes a good long time to to domesticate uh, a feral. But we do have some ferals over at this, the, the foundation right now. We're working with them. My long-term goal, my ambitions don't just stop at um, at strays. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm passionate about wildlife and conservation, and my dream would be to have some kind of Rescue center for wildlife, you know, wildlife that's been hit by cars and, and that needs vet care and and rehabilitation, and then they're back out into the wild. That's yeah. that's what I want. And Mexico has some of the highest biodiversity in the world, and um, so that's one area in the future I would love to expand into. You know, I always think, you know, what there's all of Latin America. <laughs> you know, there's there's so much that. There's so many animals that I mean Mexico in some ways is more advanced mm-hmm. than many of the other countries south of us, like sure. Guatemala. That's another level. I mean, and it, I mean it just goes on to do a further sample. You know? <laughs> right. So, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful, I think to myself, if we could just have teams everywhere and we could just sterilize everybody. <laughs> sterilize all the cats and dogs.
0: Yeah, all the cats and dogs. For pet parents listening, whether they're in Mexico, whether they're in America, wherever they are, if they do come across a feral or a colony or or an animal that's in need, what what advice would you give them? How would you tell them to, you know, take some steps to help that animal?
1: Well, I guess the first thing they would do is call a local shelter and see if the shelter has uh, any kind of tools for Mm -hmm. TNR or if anybody from the shelter can help. I do know people who just buy their own traps, humane traps online, and trap one by one. And of course, there's loads of tutorials online for how to trap. It's incredibly difficult work. It's I can't even because cats are so smart. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is that they're so clever, and so once they figure out those traps, you know, you might get half the colony, and the rest of them like, oh, I'm not going in there. Oh, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. I don't know if I can provide a definitive answer for that, but um, I guess the first place would be to start would be at a would be to call the local shelters.
0: Yeah, and the local shelters usually will have a better idea of the area, what what you can expect, who might be able to help, stuff like that. But I want to talk to you about why do you love cats? What is it about a cat that brings you such joy? What made you fall in love with them in the first place, and why do you continue to love them?
1: Well, I grew up with cats.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My dad describes himself as the original cat lover. <laughs> and so I've had cats from day one. And I, I'm an only child, too. So my companions were cats.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And
1: so I would bond really strongly with my cats. And they were siblings to me. As, our, as far as I'm concerned, they, they, they were my siblings, and now they're my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so... <laughs> And I just think they're so interesting. They're so, um, they're complicated and they have very rich personalities, but you have to work with them. You do have to work with them. And I, and I like the quiet space that I find with them. I like, I like to go into their level and I like to see if I can convince them that I'm worthwhile. <laughs> their time.
0: Is it a daily convincing or do, once you convince them, do they love you forever? Oh, <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I have, to conv- we have, I have to convince them all the time because of course <laughs> we have uh, ferals coming in all the time.
0: Uh-huh. You know, we're,
1: we're street cats coming in all the time, not necessarily ferals, but rescues coming in. So I have to constantly um, measure where each cat is at and how much work I need to put in with each cat. I want to get them into homes. And it's my job as a foster to... Get to know each cat's personality as well as I can so I that so that I compare them with the right person. sure especially because that person doesn't meet them necessarily before they pick them up at the airport. you know so it's all it's it, usually what what people people respond to in our cats is they love the story. They have incredible stories. they have incredible stories of of survival and resilience and um, a lot of it's heartbreaking, but the end the end of the story is always happy., yeah. and I, I make sure that that's what i I like to do. If you really ask me to condense everything that I do into a nutshell, it would be to to say that i that I make sure that we have happy outcomes. We get animals who've experienced real tragedy, but then to be able to turn that around and have them live like kings and queens for the rest of their lives is like the best feeling. I love it.
0: What are some of your tips and tricks for getting an animal, a cat to, to trust you? How do you learn about a cat and how do you help have the cat you know start to bond with you?
1: I'm going to answer this is for, by first saying that I'm a licensed acupuncturist. I work with energy. When you're working with cats, you're working with that energy. You're working with energy because you basically. What I notice is that my whole awareness changes. My, I I slow down. I move like a, a Zen master, mm-hmm. <laughs> really slowly. You have to move very slowly and speak very softly and be very 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 patient. Very 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 patient. But very much, it's it's about it's about the way. You have to be so conscious of every little move you make and so, so careful with them, for them. And of course, chicken helps.
0: (laughs) Chicken always helps.
1: It's a chicken. (laughs) When you get ferals in, you always have to, or not ferals, but like timid cats, let's just say, you have to create in them an association between them and you specifically. You have to create that first bond. And so you have to hand feed them. Yeah. You have to understand that they, that you are the person. If you just leave food out, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to, they have to understand that you are the. Right.
0: You're providing.
1: Providing. And then come around most likely. <laughs> All
0: right. That's super helpful information, I think, because I think people are always a little concerned, like, well, I don't even know how to bond with my cat. I think that's one of the, one of the good first steps to do that just be their provider. Yeah.
1: All
0: right. Before we wrap up, a couple more things. The first being, where can people find out more about the foundation? How can they get involved? How can they help?
1: We have a website, Balan Foundation, one word, org, And people can help by, obviously, donating. Obviously, that goes without saying. But we also have people You know, I I feel like people who adopt from us really, really, really are helping us. We Mm -hmm. we need adopters. And I know people think, well, I could go to my local shelter and get a cat. You could. You could. So why adopt a Mexican cat? Because, Because it's so dire here and because we just can't place them very easily. Or necessarily even responsibly. How else can people help us? Donations tell your friends and family, we're a 501c3, so it's tax deductible, Mm -hmm. adopt from us, spread the word, all those good things. I want to speak to the incredible sense of like profound sadness that I kind of was swimming in long, you know, before I started the Blam Foundation, because I felt so, I felt like I... There was so much going on in the world that I couldn't stand. Like, I can't stand uh, species loss. I can't stand that we're destroying the planet like we are. I, I cannot tolerate it. And so now that I feel, now that I start this organization and I actually feel like I'm doing something that's bringing light to the world, I don't have that sense of like that I was just drowning in sadness. Because I'm like, I'm doing something. It's not going to save the planet, but but it'll save some animals from suffering, and they'll get to experience love. And I do feel that every little act of compassion is felt somewhere and somehow in the world. I feel like it it has a ripple effect. Like I was talking about energy. There's a movement to it.
0: Yeah. No. I think I think that's spot on. And I think it can be easy to feel overwhelmed by all the work that we have to do. And it, it can cripple some people. But I was mentioning this to somebody I was talking to just last week. I was like, it's just little things add up. If everybody does some little things, it could add up to big things. So I think that right there is, is kind of the impact that we were talking about before is, is you might not know where to start or how to fix everything, but you could do one thing. You could do something.
1: Right, that's the thing. That would be my advice to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you go where your pain is. Like my pain is, is watching animals in the street. So I, that's it. That's the answer. You go there and try and fix it. Right. That's also your jewel.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Amazing. Well, there's only one more question left for you. It could be the easiest or the hardest question yet. So here it goes. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? And what would be your favorite activity?
1: I'd be a jaguar. I thought, I thought you might say that. <laughs> the reason I say that is because I spent um, time in Brazil last summer mm-hmm. on a wild jaguar safari. And I've seen them hunt. And let me tell you how easy it is. <laughs> you know, look, the word jaguar actually means he who kills with one leap. Wow. And, and they do. <laughs> right. They just, <laughs> they just that's do it. this and they, dive <laughs> and they come out with a caiman. Wow. You, know, you know, it's a kind of crocodile. I mean, the skill is just phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. They have the strongest jaws of all the cats, too. And they're pretty gorgeous to boot. Sounds like a pretty
0: cool trip. You've been listening to Life with Pets, the show that combines real pet stories with proven guidance from pet professionals. I'm your host, Hillary Georgie, and I hope this show has been a great resource for you as a pet parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to download the Buddies app. This episode was produced by the team at Mission.org.